Welcome to Lowering the Rim. We're talking about practice, man. <laughs> this is Lowering the Rim, a podcast about the NBA from a fan's perspective. We're five brothers, Drew, Nick, the twins, Caleb and Keegan, and I'm your host, Ian. Today we have a special guest, Matt Carlson, a child of the 90s with a deep love for all things basketball and especially 90s NBA. He's multi-talented, was a former high school basketball player, college intramural basketball champion, musician, semi-pro wakeboarder, former videographer for the Colts, and currently an independent videographer, also known as a shredditor. My business, I'm the only one, so like I have to do every, everything. So yeah. um, sometimes they call that a shredditor, which I really <laughs> like that name. It's a shooter, an <laughs> editor. Perfect. He's another casual fan ready to offer his expert analysis on all things NBA. So let's get to it. Let's go. Well, first of all, thank you for that intro. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> I would love, I'm, I might make that my alarm in the morning and just wake up to that every single day because that is really nice. Thank get you. Juiced. <laughs> hey, we wanted to get you pumped. You're multi Thank you. I am. You know what? This, I'm pumped already. This is the greatest time of the year if you're an NBA fan. I mean, there are multiple games every night. They all matter, which is different, obviously, than the regular season. No, you know, nobody is doing any load management, which is something that I hate in the NBA. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I don't think he played more than 10 games in a row all season long uh, because Toronto, obviously, is trying to keep him in free agency. But I Did he play so, any in a row? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> it, I thought I heard the, the stat of, of no more than 10 in a row, but I know every time that I tuned into them during the regular season, he was sitting out. So, <laughs> Managing his load. <laughs> so to, show you, to give you a quick story about how excited I am about this time of year, last night, was anybody watching at 1 a.m. when Damian Lillard hit the most unbelievable shot to win the series against OKC. Was anyone else watching that? Yep, I stayed up and watched okay, the whole okay, <laughs> well, Best game might... of the entire NBA season so far. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So I wake up this morning to a note on my door and an email from my apartment complex for a noise violation. Okay? <laughs> no. Yeah, noise violation on my door and in my email. It said specifically excessively loud cheering at 1 a.m., <laughs> Okay. And I responded in my email with one hyphenated word, Dame time. <laughs> That's all I needed to say. Okay. And if you guys can't see me, I'm pointing at my wristwatch that I don't have on. But I went nuts because personally, I do not like OKC. I'm not a Westbrook fan. I don't like PG. Not because he left the Pacers in my hometown, but just I just don't like the way that they conduct themselves more more so off the court I think you know with the with the press we can get into that um so you're not a fan of the next question huh no I'm not at all not at all I just you know I I saw I think Bleacher Report had a, a tweet where they were showing them and they're you know in their post-game interview and they're all slouched over not looking at any of the press and I don't know it's just it just annoys me it's like sit up be a man and answer some questions that's like part of your job 
Matt, right? they don't they don't make uh, thirty million a year. That's, <laughs> that's a little too much to be asking for. I know it it drives me nuts. I don't want to dwell on that too long. I don't want to sound like I'm on I'm on a soapbox or anything. But I just it that's one of the thing that things that drives me nuts about the NBA is is when guys sort of act like that towards the press. And I don't know if you guys saw how Blake Griffin, um, you know, treated the press after his press conference, final press conference after losing the series and getting swept, went around and shook everyone's hand and talked to them, was very respectful. And it just seems like eh, maybe Blake Griffin's sort of growing up. And Nick is and getting pumped about that. Yeah, Nick is yeah that Detroit, was like the only highlight of, of the Detroit season. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only redeeming moment. Some, some respectable <laughs> people it. in Detroit. I think, you know, Blake Griffin playing through injury, I thought that was really commendable. I mean, they were just outmatched. Like, they, you know. Oh, yeah. Was, know if, if anybody, anybody in the East is going to be able to, to play with Milwaukee. But um, yeah. it, it was it was just cool to see him treat the media that way. And you know he had seen Westbrook and uh, PG and the way that they had, had done it and probably thought to himself, you know, the, the press, as annoying as they can be, they help get our story out. They help our brand personally and as a team. And so I just think that players should be more respectful of that. But anyways, so, so, I'm, I'm off my soapbox. Uh, can I ask, uh, you You said you feel he might be growing up. Uh, has his reputation before Detroit been different from that? I've Yeah, I. the way that I always saw him was kind of, you know, not necessarily like Westbrook, but I just, I thought he was sort of a loose cannon, you know, like at any, okay. at any moment he might punch somebody um, on the floor mm. or, you know, okay. Yeah. I just felt like he was, and, and maybe that's just me personally. Maybe other people didn't feel that way. Uh, I'm sure Ian I, can chime in. I never sensed that, but I, I wasn't watching that closely. He always seemed like a pretty laid back sort of funny, self-deprecating guy, but that's, that's a very, well, sort of distant perspective. I, I hear I hear being around Chris Paul too much puts people on edge, so maybe it was that. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. I just always felt like he was kind of a hothead, and I agree. Okay, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Yeah, I felt like he was laid back off the court, and his demeanor was kind of soft-spoken and that kind of thing. But then I felt like when he was on the court, he was always, you know, a call away from just – going crazy on the refs or getting in someone's face. Uh, and maybe again, maybe that was just my personal opinion. Well, you know, as I'm thinking about it, the most I saw of him in, uh, while he was in LA was uh, his appearance on the episode of Broad City. So may maybe that's not like the most reliable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. Well, either way, I was a fan of what he did after the game and I thought that was a very mature and and, and more so professional type of yeah. thing to do. And and it, you know if that's how you make the media your allies, you know, you don't you don't beat the media by being a kind of an irritant by chafing against them every time they ask you a question. They're always going to win. Exactly. And and I'll always go back to personal references or personal stories that I have or that I've seen. And when I was with the Colts and after I left the, the Colts, I was with, was um, a videographer for Northwestern football and all of the players, even with the Colts in the professional level, they all get media training constantly. Oh, really? Yes. They're constantly being told how to address the media. You know, what 
what questions to answer, what questions to not answer. Well, that's probably why he changed his next question routine. Because after he got all that criticism, the next game, he what did he what did he say, Drew? He had like a. He just said uh, his new thing is that's a good question. I'm not sure, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, and it's someone told him to change that next question phrase. Yeah, yeah. The damage is done, though. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so take us back to the beginning. I mean, where did this love for basketball come from? So I grew up, uh, my first love was always basketball. That was always, you know, what I gravitated towards. Even though my dad was a longtime Division three college head football coach, people always would ask me, oh, you're going to play football, you're going to play football. And I'm, I am 5'8 now, fully grown. <laughs> hey, great size for a wakeboarder, though. <laughs> it is. It is. It is a perfect size. But at that time, I mean, I was always the runt, right? I was always the the small kid. So um, basketball always was my my first love, and I had a college gym. I had access to it anytime, twenty four seven, anytime I wanted, and it was within walking distance of my house where I grew up. So I would constantly go to the gym every single night, like when my dad would, would be making recruiting phone calls at night uh, in his office, I would be there playing basketball, just putting up shots or doing you know ball handling drills or whatever that it might be. And so I just grew up sort of in love with the game. Did you ever lower the rim when you played? Yes. So when I was growing up, the, the, the big thing uh, where you had to have some money in your family to, to afford this kind of rim. But do you guys remember the Goal Rilla? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had a crank on it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we would we would always go to my friend's house who had the Goal Rilla because my, my hoop at home was not all that great. And it was just a locked off 10 foot rim in the alley where, you know, if you shot from one corner, it was actually like 12 feet because of the dip of the alley, you know, um, so that, shooting 12 foot floaters. Yeah. That's, that's the reason I was always going to the gym at Wabash college where my dad was the football coach, but my friend had a gold Rilla rim. So we would lower it and, you know, get the mini basketball. So you felt like Shaq, you know, you could, <laughs> You could palm it and uh, and do the between the legs dunks and all that kind of stuff. Going back a little bit to the to the growing up, I when I was in fifth grade and sixth grade, um, I played AAU basketball in the summer, and we would play just against other like AAU teams uh, from around the area, Lafayette, Indianapolis, and our coach was actually Roger Harden, who was the 1982 Mister Indiana basketball. And he was really well known throughout the area. And my dad had contacted him and somehow, I don't know, probably gave him under the table money or something <laughs> and uh, somehow got him to. That's how AAU works. Huh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's exactly yeah, how AAU works. Did you get any of that Nike money? <laughs> I didn't get any Nike money, but interesting story about Roger Harden. He played at Kentucky, so he did not go to Indiana. So everyone hated him that lived in Indiana because they thought, oh, Mr. Indiana basketball should go to Indiana University. And he chose to go to Kentucky. Well, while he was at Kentucky, he his whole team went from Converse to Nike. The, they just changed you know, the brand that they were going to wear as far as jerseys and shoes. 
Well, Roger continued to wear Converse because Roger's dad, Al, had worked at Converse for a long time and had signed like some big time NBA basketball players to the Converse brand to wear their shoes. So Roger continues to wear Converse at Kentucky while the whole team was under Nike, uh, like midway through his time at Kentucky, which nowadays you can never do that because of the money involved with those contracts. But he went on to play for the Lakers for a couple of years after he left Kentucky. And then he got a job with Converse. And so our AAU team, we all had brand new Converse shoes that he was giving uh, us out of the back of his trunk. That is sick. Wow. He had shoes. And I don't know if you guys remember, but Converse came out with a basketball shoe uh, around that time, which was probably, I don't know, 1995, 96, where it was a it was a basketball shoe that was a replica of the old Chuck Taylors, but it had mm-hmm. more ankle support. It was just a better built shoe, but it still yeah, had yeah. sort of that solid colorway and then the little circle with the Converse logo like the Chucks mm-hmm. look, look like. And we all had those and wore those for our AAU games. We looked awesome, but we weren't actually that good. I had some some big time shoes growing up. I'll quickly take you through. I yeah, owned give us- Patrick. Patrick Ewing. I don't know if you guys oh. remember. He oh, yeah. He had shoes. It said Ewing on the back. And- yeah, I was going to say it said Ewing, didn't it? Like real boxy letters. Which is just perfect for a, a Midwesterner white kid who's probably four feet eight. Just rocking, <laughs> rocking Patrick Ewing shoes with giant tongues. Um, I mean, I just felt like a straight stud when I had those on. So let's let's transition to just some of the current NBA. We got the playoffs going on. Uh, first round is kind of wrapping up a little bit. Uh, give us some of your what are some of your thoughts? I mean, obviously the the uh, Dame Lillard shot last night was probably the best moment of the playoffs so far. But what have you thought so far? Any predictions you've got moving forward? Well, so far I've been pretty disappointed. I mean, the series haven't been that interesting, right? I mean, that that kind of lends hand. Here's a hot take for you. All first-round playoffs, five games, not mm. seven. We, five yeah. games, that's all I want to see. Um, yeah. Seven's just too much. I mean, the three-one, like, for instance, the two games tonight, they're both three-ones. You know, Houston's going to win. Golden State's going to win. And that's the matchup that I want to see. Obviously, I think most of the country is – is hyped about that should probably be the finals at least the rockets warriors yeah rockets warriors yeah. at least the western yeah. conference fi- finals yeah. if not the nba finals i mean yeah. milwaukee's good and they're impressive and i'm i'm excited to see what they can do against the west because they they've got some bigs that could especially give the warriors some problems um but you know as far as the first round matchups you know, the games yesterday were pretty – if it weren't for that OKC-Portland game, they were all snooze fests. For sure. What do you think of the 16-seed playoff idea? Like, just eliminate the, the East and West. I'm for it. Yeah. I'm for it. I, I like it. I mean, being from Indianapolis, I'm a little bit partial uh, with the Pacers, and I had wished that Oladipo was healthy because I think that series could have been really interesting. The Pacers played with them up until the end of the games and then they just couldn't close they didn't have a guy like Oladipo who could just create his own shot and 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 win games for you similar to how Lillard did last night I would be a fan of a 16 seed 
playoff. I like I like March Madness and how college sort of does that bracket type of um, yeah. tournament. I think it'd be cool. So, uh, Ian, have, as people have, have discussed this, it's been related to just doing away with divisions and conferences altogether then, right? Well, there's been a couple of different things floated out there. So the one that I think has the most opportunity is that you still take the top eight teams from the East and the top eight teams from the West, but then you okay. you jumble up those top eight teams from top to bottom. You know, you rank them one through 16. So that way, I mean, so it's not truly like the best 16 teams because this past year, I think um, – if you did that, it'd be 10 teams from the West and six teams from the East, which the owners of East teams don't want that. It's not good for business from their side. Um, you know, they but want you, they want to have those eight possibilities of getting in the playoffs. It, but it's still not really going to reflect the power structure of um, sort of the NBA hierarchy or whatever. It's not – you're going to have East teams, you know – uh, teams at the top of the Eastern Conference with better records than they would have, you know, where, where they play in Western teams all season, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. still yeah. skewed. Yeah, so it doesn't, still... it doesn't totally eliminate it, yeah. But it does – I mean, we looked at the one for this year, if it would have happened this year, and it does eliminate things like the Warriors and the Rockets playing in the second round. Like, yeah. mo- most of the most of the sure, better teams yeah. would survive yeah. late into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the, the way one the this bracket's year, structured. Yeah, the one this year actually would have had the Rockets and Warriors on opposite sides, which would have been mm. kind of cool. Mm. You know what I mean? So that they would have only met in the finals. So, Matt, speaking of the East, this is the first year that we haven't had LeBron in the East for a while. Who do you think's coming out of the East to, to be in the finals? Uh, I, right now, Milwaukee. I mean, they, yeah. they look really good. The Greek freak is – like every time I watch them – I find myself on the NBA store website with his jersey in my cart. <laughs> I, haven't pulled the, I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but he is unbelievable to watch. Like, his domination. I mean, even Shaq said that he thinks that the Greek freak is better than him, which, mm. number one, for Shaq wow. to say that is an incredible. But number two, Shaq was – one of the most dominant players ever and i i don't even know if we have seen the prime of uh yet like Mm -hmm. he seems to be still getting better which is mind-boggling to me so i I think milwaukee i mean i think that they have uh, a versatile enough team they're not just the greek freak they you know they have other players that can can fill in and get buckets um they have some three-point shooters but i mean i I, I haven't watched anyone else in the East and thought, like, wow, they they are going to the finals for sure. Yeah, we all picked different teams, I think. I, I, I took the long shot and picked the Celtics. I have uh, Milwaukee in the finals. Drew? Who did I you took, have, Drew? I took Toronto. I had Toronto beating Milwaukee in the conference finals. You know what? I also had OKC in the Western Conference Finals, so I don't know how good my Yes, I did is. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I would say next up on my list would be Boston. If they can get their crap together, I think that they are maybe the most talented team uh, in the yeah. East. But, you know, they've had such a roller coaster season, and Kyrie's kind of been acting like a baby. Um, 
you know, every interview that he does is another one of my dislikes about the NBA. It's just, you know, like, God, just get over it. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just annoying. And um, I think if they play together, the problem with the Celtics that I see is Kyrie is so ball dominant that, you know, when, when Kyrie was out this year, the Celtics won like 90% of their games without Kyrie on the floor because they were sharing the ball more. And Kyrie is obviously like, you know, one of the top players in the NBA, one of the top guards for sure. And the way that he plays, though, is he needs the ball in his hands so much that it sort of ruins the rhythm of, of Boston's offense to where I think that they could be more successful uh, if he would sort of share the ball more. I'm not saying that he's not one of the best players, but it's just the type of, of basketball that Kyrie plays is very sort of give me the ball and get out of the way and let me just hold the ball until the shot clock gets down to five and then I'm going to create. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Who do you have coming out of the West? Well, it's hard to pick against Golden State. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the way – like even, I mean, this first series, like they just fell asleep at the wheel the one game they lost. They were up 30 and they just stopped trying essentially. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really hard to pick against them. Um, but again, you know, Houston can beat them as long as Harden isn't thinking about the strip club and is worried <laughs> more about winning a, a game in the playoffs. I don't know if they can be beat. Um, they are so good. And Houston has better bigs than, uh, especially with Boogie out than, than the Warriors. Yeah. So I think that they can dominate the paint. Um, but if, if, Thompson and Durant and Curry are are hitting. No, there's nobody that can beat them. Uh, I'd like to talk about some of my favorite things about the NBA and some yeah. of my least favorite things quickly. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. So, I don't know like how much you guys see the things that I see. Like, whenever, honestly, when everyone watches games, they they look at different things. But let, I want to start out positive. So we'll go with some of my favorite things, or at least one specific. Uh, are the bench reenactments of like when players do something awesome, (laughs) right? So like if if a player is like on the post and he gives like a nice up and under fake, you'll see like guys on the bench get up and like do the up and under that he just did. Yeah. It it makes me laugh every time. It's hilarious. I love it. Or the other night Curry had a nice finger roll and he was like under the basket running, getting ready to run back on defense. And he like reenacted it, reenacted it a few times with the finger roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, man, if I was playing again, I, I would do that constantly. What's your favorite three point celebration? <laughs> oh, well, you know, what's popular now is the getting out the arrow Yeah, and shooting yeah. the arrow. I like that one. Yeah. Um, Have you seen Brooke Lopez's smoking a joint after the, <laughs> I haven't. That's amazing. Yeah. That's something Zebo should have been doing. Zach Randolph, yeah. his yeah. whole career. I don't know how many three yeah. pointers he made, but oh man, Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez shooting deep threes is probably uh, one of the craziest sights I've ever seen this year in NBA basketball. <laughs> have you seen Boban shoot the three uh, for the Seventy Sixers? Uh, I, I did see one. I think he hit. Yeah, one that's here maybe. Yeah, that's a does sight. It, He's like, does it look like the last scene from Space Jam? 
<laughs> pretty much. It's like the extended go-go gadget arm. Yeah. He's, uh, he's shooting down at the rim. It's like when you're at a papa shot at, uh, yeah. Yeah. at Dave and Buster's. That's kind of how it is. Um, he, I like him a lot, too, because he is just fun to watch. But that's, that's something that I really like. Now to get to something that I don't like as much, which I think, going back to your LeBron comment, Ian, with him not being in the playoffs, this um, sort of evolution has been spearheaded by LeBron, and I don't want to sound like a LeBron hater like I know Ian is, but <laughs> hey. when players get – like Harden – for instance, the other night he got a little a little elbow to the neck area. We'll say it didn't look vicious, um, but they exaggerate injuries like they're like you see a lot of times in soccer. Okay, where they'll barely get hit and they'll roll around on the floor like they're never gonna get up, like they're gonna get have to get carried <laughs> off in a stretcher. And then yeah. a minute or two will go by, they'll get up and shoot a couple free throws, and then they're going a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. And if, yeah. you're, if you're that injured, like you probably need to come out for five minutes, like sit on the bench and just gather your bearings. The one you're referring to is, uh, that was Joe Ingles. He, he brushed his beard. He didn't actually touch him and he, and he craned his neck back. He Wait. did the same. He did the same thing. Derek, he was shooting a three. And Derek Favors came from behind and just like jumped through where his shot was, didn't touch him at all, and immediately his neck snapped back like he got uh, – like that's not even a natural reaction to if he would have gotten hit coming from that angle. But, yeah, he's just – he's built that into his game. It, he has. And I – a lot of other players do it as well. But the first player that I that I saw doing it was LeBron. Like he would get hit and I'm like, this dude is 6'8", 260, just lean, like straight muscle. And he would get hit, you know, and, and it might be like, you know, somebody had hit him in the head or something with their forearm or whatever. And like he would roll around by the cameraman under the basket like he had been <laughs> shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember one. I remember one where LeBron, um, he came out post game in a cast, and his hand was <laughs> apparently broken. Uh, oh, we we sound like such LeBron haters, all of us. Yeah, it's an easy it's an easy target. Yeah, it yeah. is, and that's well, not, that's that's not our fault. Yeah, that's just one of the one of the many reasons why uh, LeBron can rub people the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, not to take away from his greatness because he is great, um, but that's just one of the things where I'm like, that's how the NBA is so much different than it was in the '80s and '90s. Oh yeah. yeah. So I just I just recently saw a uh, highlight reel of Carl Malone. And he was straight giving people CTE back in the early '90s, and it, it was—it would just be like a common foul, and the guy would like go right back at him. They, to your point about this whole flopping thing, it was the antithesis of that. It was they were gonna just immediately throw a punch right back at at the well, person. Well, that's the other problem, right? Is like guys are getting kicked out way too easily, like uh, Jimmy Butler and Jared Dudley in that game the other day, just for pushing each other. It's like we're really gonna we're gonna kick kick guys out for just pushing each other after a play. It's like it's a or playoffs. for just talking. They're competing. It's even worse <laughs> than that. They'll just they're getting kicked out for talking. Yeah. And I see these highlights of Carl Malone throwing a 
a legitimate elbow right into somebody's temple. And that's a common foul. You you mentioned earlier one of the things you have a problem with is workload. Sort of uh, guys uh, resting too frequently. Yep. That would rank pretty high for you in, in terms of irritants. That, yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, I understand if you're an athlete, like 82-game season, that it, it's a long season and all the travel and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, just resting guys when they're not hurt, I, I'm not a fan of that. Um, I, I, I think of all the, the, you know, season ticket holders or the, the kid who, what, you know, wanted to go to the game for his birthday and, like, his family couldn't afford – to go to a game but mm-hmm. once a year and they go to that game and the, you know the star doesn't even play but he's not injured he just is yeah, you know, load, yeah. load management that's happened to a friend of mine yeah on his kid's birthday two consecutive years i think steph sat and then uh who I, I, then i think lebron sat the next time especially when you're in indiana this is the kind of city you take a night off in. You don't need your full <laughs> roster. You know what I mean? You just, you just stay in the hotel. <laughs> it's sad to say it, but it's it's true. And I, I don't know what the fix to it is, you know, because obviously it does help the freshness of those players. And I think we all yeah. saw it when Golden State uh, wanted to break the 72-game uh, or 72 wins in a season record, mm. and they went for it and broke it, but then they – later lost in the playoffs because they were just maxed out, you know, physically. Um, They probably said no more from now on. You guys are resting because it's more important to win an NBA championship than to break some single season record. Yeah. I, I, I I have a lot of uh, sympathy for teams that, that do that because I'm, I think ultimately more interested in, in the sort of winning side of things than the entertainment product. Yeah, and teams yeah, that, for sure. that are really tuned into that are the ones making those decisions early, like Popovich. You know, yeah, it's. I think it's on the league to create more meaningful games. Uh, th- yeah, there was some article a few years ago that showed the amount of mobility in the standings from the All Star break to the end of the season. There was almost none. So about fifty mm. games in, you know your top eight teams in each uh, in each conference, and that's the purpose of the regular season competitively. Is yeah. is to sort of show you who the teams are that belong in the postseason. So you know that, and then you've got 30 games of exhibition. And it's yeah. just got to be brutal. <clears throat> yep, that's yeah. a good point. Well, Matt, we, we probably need to let you go here, but do you have any other, uh, any other um, uh, favorite things or least favorite things of the NBA or any final hot takes you want to throw out there? I'll end with this hot take, okay? My, barring injury... The Greek freak will be the best player in the NBA within two years. Mm. I like it. Over over Durant, over Curry, over LeBron, over Harden. So where do you have him now? He's he's got to be pretty close. He's he's close now. I I, I haven't made up a list specifically. Um, I would put him uh, probably top. Top four. Who do you think is the best player right now in the league? I think the best player in the league right now is Harden. Mm-hmm. Okay. It kind of pains me to say it. 
but I don't think anyone has seen. I, Matt, I just saw your neck crane back when you said that. That was weird. <laughs> I, should have, I should have a neck brace. Like, you know, um, yeah, I, I would say Harden. I mean, I, I do think that his signature move is a travel. But <laughs> if, the refs, if the refs aren't going to call it, then everyone else should, should learn it. Okay? Yeah. Because yeah. it's not Harden's fault that the refs don't yeah. call it. Yeah. Matt, do you have anything you want to plug? Like where can where can all these other famous presidents and musicians find you? <laughs> yeah, so my all of my social media is Matt Carlson twelve. My my videos um, are kind of all over the place, but I I do put some stuff on YouTube. I, I'm not a YouTuber uh, by trait. I just use it to host uh, a lot of my videos. So if somebody wanted to see the types of videos I make. I, I do a lot of obviously wakeboarding and lake type videos in the summertime. Uh, once it finally gets warm here in, uh, in Indianapolis, uh, which after today feels a long way off. Um, but, but yeah, it's just Matt Carlson 12 is all of my social media. You search for it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Awesome. And that's C A R L S O N, right? Correct. Okay. And the number cool. 12, my high school basketball number. Yes. <laughs> Keeping it alive. After, of course, the one and only John Stockton. Well, thanks a lot, Matt. We appreciate it, man. Hope you have a good, good night. And hope you, you don't get any noise ordinances tonight. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I don't know. What's the late game? It's the Warriors. So if Steph yeah. gets one from half court, uh, it's uh, no guarantee. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, cool. We'll see, see you later. It's time for basketball today. All right, we have another segment of Basket Balderdash where Keegan and Caleb are going to break down some popular NBA phrases and words and concepts. So, Keegan and Caleb, are you guys ready to go? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's get it in. <laughs> okay, your first word in Basket Balderdash is freedom of movement. Well, that's when you can travel. <laughs> it's sort of like an achievement you can unlock with the ref and you can have the freedom of movement or it's a cheat code maybe you're not you're not bound by the rules that the that the riffraff are bound by how, how does one unlock that cheat code in the game if you whisper the right thing in the ref's ear um <laughs> The, each game, the refs have a have, choose a, a keyword, and then it is the player's job to unlock that to figure out what that keyword is based on the calls that are made. It's usually no, number based, uh, so it'll be something like five, five, seven, nine, <laughs> one, four, seven, seven, eight, it's very hard to do. What what is the how does the ref let you know that you've unlocked that achievement? Gives you a tap. They don't. You just you just uh, have to hope that you do, and when you travel, well, you no, that's not on. true. It's <laughs> Kilb's got it wrong. It's they give you a t tiny T, <laughs> meaning you can travel a little bit, a little tiny travel. <laughs> oh, okay, that's great. I love it. Freedom of movement. That's great. Okay, next one. A negative plus minus. 
negative that just, plus minus. Well, Ian, that's just a made-up word. That just sounds like a dysfunctional battery. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. <laughs> okay, next one. Okay, next question. That's the phrase. Next question. Um, that is going to be the uh, antithesis to uh, Alan Iverson. The answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gather step. <laughs> oh man. That is when the uh, other team forms a circle around Steph Curry and just follows him wherever he goes. Oh, I like that. Okay, next one. Steph's gravity. Steph's gravity. Poof. That's uh, whenever uh, fans decide to throw apples at Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> That was a uh, Newton joke for those of you that didn't get it. <laughs> and for those of you who are not with familiar physics. with science, that was an Isaac Newton <laughs> joke. No, Steph's gravity actually has nothing to do with Steph Curry and everything to do with Steph Tanner from Full House. <laughs> this is uh, <clears throat> the sequel to Gravity's starring <laughs> Steph Tanner. Steph's Gravity. It's sort of like a director's cut, but with Steph it's, Tanner's cut. It's a Steph Stephanie Tanner and Steph Curry stuck out in space in astronaut suits, just trying to find their way back to George Clooney. Okay, last one. Small ball. Small ball. Well, Ian... Um, I take offense to that for those of us who suffer from small ball. <laughs> and, uh, small and I would recommend you be a bit more, uh, just be a bit more sensitive in your questions. I was time. promised there'd be no medical terms during basketball or dash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for playing basketball or dash with Keegan and Caleb. Woohoo! Uh, you're uh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and open up Carl Malone's mailbag. Mr. Malone's got a mailbag. Gonna answer the questions with a hashtag. I'm going to read our first question from at KKeldon17. Matt Carlson joining us for this week's edition of the Carl Malone mailbag. So from K, at KKeldon17, does Westbrook finish his career in OKC or become the next Gary Payton? Title Hunter question mark. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Nicholas's cage. Nick, what are your <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, let me look at the question here. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, Russ is a total wild card, and today with player empowerment being what it is, he could he could promise he'll be there for ten years, like like Kyrie and then then say all bets are off when he wants to go to some you know some other city so yeah I can't even guess all right Ian let's go to you Mm, I think he's an OKC guy for life I mean unless I think it's more likely that OKC trades him than he's gonna request to be be gone because I think he's stubborn 
He wants to prove all the doubters wrong. And um, right now he has the dark cloud of OKC chose the wrong of wrong guy of the three young stars they had, being KD and Harden, hanging over him. <laughs> and so wow. I think he's so stubborn, he's going to try to ride that out to prove everybody wrong. And it's more likely that OKC may say, you know what, Russ, I think, I think we're done here. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Matt, what are your thoughts? Well, here's a take none of you see coming. Russell Westbrook stays with the team, but the team moves out of OKC <laughs> oh, to Seattle. Okay, I, I'm here for it. Where are they going? Where are they going? He said Seattle. Everyone just says Seattle deserves a team again. So I think OKC would be the prime contender. All right. What do, what do Keegan and Caleb think? What are their thoughts? Um, I'll chime in here. I do I do really miss the Seattle color scheme, so I hope they do get a team back. Um, I also want to see a Hulu original called Title Hunter, and maybe it's about Russell Westbrook. <laughs> uh hunting for a title that's all thank you (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't really remember the question but i don't think anyone can live up to um the greatness of gary payton payton i like the diversity of takes here so let's go to the next question give me your top hustle players for the (laughs) For this year's playoffs. So let's start again with uh, Nick. Who, who would you give the uh, top hustle player for these playoffs this year? Well, uh, considering I've uh, seen one game uh, between the Pistons and uh, Bucks. Uh, <laughs> That's a good starting point. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin on that bad knee. Yeah, you know, for only seeing one game, you might not be that far off because he – I mean, <laughs> who would – he basically is playing with one leg, right? That that's pretty intense. Yeah, I saw him chasing down uh, three point shooters and all that, l- limping into the bench. All right, Ian, who would you give top hustle player to? Well, I'm going to pull a Matt Carlson and give you a take that no one's going to think of, <laughs> and it's a. I'm going to say my top playoff hustle player has got to be LeBron James. Oh, he's 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 really. Charles Barkley invited him to come on TNT because he said, you know, hey, LeBron, you don't have much going on. And LeBron said, incorrect, Charles. I've got a lot going on. He's he's really hustling the, you know, becoming a media mogul game right now. Got a lot of projects in the pipeline. And so he's making things happen. So I want to give him the top hustle player of this playoffs. All right, Matt, what do you think? I don't think I can top that, but when I think of hustle player, I think of, uh, you know, defense and rebounding. Um, And since Dennis Rodman is no longer in the league, I would say uh, Patrick Beverly for the Clippers. He seems to be that type of player where he doesn't score a lot, but he affects the game through hustle. That's a solid pick. Keegan? Caleb? Yeah, thanks, Drew. I've been watching a lot of games this season, and there are just a lot of really good players out there. Just every everybody seems to be working really hard um, and just doing their best. I want to. I I think um, I'm gonna go with uh, the refs who are throwing out the <laughs> tiny tees. 
I think I think there was a great effort on their part, and I just want to um, acknowledge that. You have to bring Matt up to speed on this. Matt, real quick, the tiny T's are we've we've noticed there's been a a decrease of the palm to the top of the fingers technical and an increase of the index finger over the other index finger technical, aka the tiny T. Yeah. And, which is essentially and, amounts to a slap in the face to the player. <laughs> exactly. We we did a whole segment on that. I We're hoping it. they'll devolve into pinky to Pinky to pinky contact. <laughs> pinky tees. Pinky yeah. tees. Or maybe take the shoes off and give it with the feet. Yeah, yeah. Well, Keegan <laughs> said actually cross the T. So pinky to pinky, but you you even cross it. It's not a it's not a capital T. It's a lowercase T. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think uh, Drew actually said that, but yeah, it's good. Okay. We'll get, we'll get we we are one voice. One voice was heard. Uh, Tiny who, did, who didn't we? Who didn't we get on this, Drew? Sorry, I cut somebody off there. I think Keegan, Keegan was the no, only one that didn't give a hustle. Uh, his hustler. Oh man, can we play "Do the Hustle" for this segment? Do the hustle. I think Keegan said it best uh, when he said, dress for the uh, God you want, not the God you have. <laughs> I appreciate the credit, but that alt was Caleb that said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Caleb said that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> dress for the God. Yeah. <laughs> That was my uh, that was that was my recommendation for that was my Easter recommendation for e- for your Easter service on how to dress. You dress for the God you want. I'm so sorry. Have. All credit goes to Caleb. All hail Caleb. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Lowering the Rim. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lowering the Rim. And feel free to email us your fan questions, loweringtherim at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.